this morning called We Are Family. And we're looking at the nature and mission of the church, the church capital C, God's church, all of his people, and also of our church, lowercase c, the local church. And though we've spent six weeks looking at this, and we've kind of chosen this title of We Are Family because God has a number of metaphors for the church in the Bible. And uh, one of, I think, the best ones is that of family, that we're in this together, that we're, we're working together, growing together, they're living life together as his people on his mission. And uh, we've mentioned a lot that we're part of an extended family known as the Evangelical Free Church of America. We don't always make a, a, a big deal about that, but that's who we are. That's our extended family. And so as we've been working through this series, we've actually been kind of unpacking the mission statement of our extended family. And here's how it goes. The EFCA's mission is this. We exist to glorify God by multiplying transformational churches among all people. And so we've, we've looked at, uh, we had some friends here from another free church, plant, planting free churches in the inner city of Detroit a few weeks ago. And we looked at God's glory. And then we looked at what it means to be a transformational church rooted in the word of God and uh, transformational in our communities and transformational for all peoples. We, we, we kind of had a hard look at some of our own prejudice last week, didn't we? Well, today, as we wrap this up, we're gonna look at uh, that idea of being a multiplying movement and a multiplying church. Uh, What does it mean to be a church that's about multiplication? I mean, is that really in the Bible? Or is that just like somebody wanting to grow a big church and have a lot of people and it's all ego? Well, we're gonna look at that today. Let me pray. We're gonna dive in, we're gonna ask for the Spirit's help and then we're gonna look at a whole bunch of scripture today. So let me pray. Father, uh, again, we thank you for Jesus. Uh, It's all because of him that we're here. And uh, I pray, Lord, that as uh, we jump around in your word, uh, looking at uh, your plan and your mandate for the church, for your people, your family, that you might motivate us to live that out. That... um, you might uh, continue uh, uh, to nourish and to foster and even to swell some of the desires and good things you've put in our heart to see uh, more churches for more people that you might receive more glory. And so uh, today, Lord, I pray uh, that Holy Spirit, you would teach me even as I teach, you'd speak through me. Pray against the enemy, his servants works and effects uh, that he wouldn't confuse us, but that instead uh, your word would be clear and Spirit, you would guide us in truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this whole idea of being a multiplying church or a multiplying movement, it's got kind of a stigma with it for some people. You think, because a lot of times then we tend to think of, you know, oh, big churches and we, there's our prejudice coming out again, right? We, We associate big with bad. Some of us, though, associate big with good. And really, the key isn't one or the other. The key is is health, transformational health. And that results in some form of multiplication. Now, that might be a ton of numbers, but ultimately a multiplication of God's glory as well. See, God designed his family to be fruitful and to multiply. Did you know that? 
We're his family and he's designed us, he's created us and mandated for us to be fruitful and to multiply. Uh, Healthy things grow. And as we're healthy, we grow. You know, a few weeks ago, as we started this series, we looked at uh, a couple parables in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Jesus teaching about the nature of the kingdom of God and of his people. And he says this in Mark chapter four, verses 30 through 32, he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, Jesus asks, or what parable shall we use for it? He said, is it like a, it is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. That latent, with, latent within this tiny little seed is incredible power, incredible Uh, multiplicative power to grow into a huge tree that brings glory to its creator, that brings good to others, that the birds of the field could nest, the birds of the air could nest in its branches and brings joy to God's people. Now there's there's, uh, more than this that Jesus is saying here, but part of what he's teaching is that his plan for the kingdom and for his people His family is multiplication. And we actually see it from the very beginning of the Bible. Multiplication was part of God's plan from the very beginning. In the beginning, you know, if you know how the Bible starts, if you've read your Bible or at least the beginning of it, you know that out of of nothing, God created everything. Out of nothing, there was nothing but God and he spoke and everything came into being. And at the pinnacle of his creation, we'll look at this in a bit as well, but was humanity, the the only piece of his creation, you and I bearing his image. And he created us, male and female, the Bible says, in his own image and likeness, and he stamped his image on us. And then the Bible says that the very first thing God does after that is he gives them, after giving them an identity in his image, he gives them a command to go and live out. And it was a command that he had already given to uh, other parts of his creation. And here's the command. Look at verse 28 of Genesis 1. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens over every living thing that moves on the earth. Be fruitful and what's the word? Multiply right there in the beginning. You don't have to get past the first chapter to see God's design is for his people to multiply. Now, uh, after the flood, uh, we know that Adam and Eve, you know, a couple chapters later, uh, totally mess everything up in their sin. And uh, everything uh, just gets messed up. But God promises a redeemer right away in Genesis 3.15. And then, Uh, But in their wickedness and the lack of a redeemer yet left to their own devices, sin increases. And so God wipes out the world with a flood. And he, in a sense, starts over with a new family in Noah. Well, do you know what the first command to Noah was when he got off the boat? It's the same as to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and 
multiply and fill the earth. It was, the, it was the same command, and we could go on and on. If you go to, uh, the, then, then God moves through his, his plan, and eventually he uh, zeroes in on a family to create a nation. This, this guy named Abraham, we're going to look at him a little later as well. And Abraham, God's promise to him is that he's going to make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the heaven, as the sand on the seashore, like too numerous to count. He's going he's gonna to multiply his people. And we could go on and on and on where God's plan from the very beginning is multiplication. It's to see uh, his kingdom and his people and his glory increase. That's God's plan. And I would, I would contend to you that healthy churches, healthy churches multiply. They multiply. And here's, here's what I mean by that. Look at the growth of the church in Acts. Actually, let's look at this example and then we'll talk about what I mean. Look at the growth of the church in Acts. I'm just gonna uh, fly by a handful of verses here in Acts and we could, we could zero in on even more than these. But in Acts 2, 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They were multiplying, weren't they? And hey, by the way, when we say multiply, I'm not talking like a strict mathematic sense, you know, like two and then four and then eight and then 16 and then 32 and 64. And like just, I'm saying multiply, increase, but, but more than just simple kind of, we do it ourselves addition, but the work of the spirit increasing people and followers of Jesus. So look at, look at chapter six then in these days, And it says, when the disciples were increasing in number. Down in verse seven, and the word of God continued to increase. One of the things you see in Acts is that that Luke equates the growth of the church with the growth and, and progression of God's word. That he says, it's the word that's increasing. You'll see that again. The word of God continued to increase. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a couple chapters later in Acts 9, 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee, Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. What did it do? Multiplied. The word of the Lord, Acts 12, 24. The word of God increased and multiplied. Haven't made my point yet? Let me give you a few more. And the word of the Lord, Acts 13, was spreading throughout the whole region, Acts 16. So the churches were strengthened in the faith. They increased in numbers daily, Acts 19, 20. So the word of the Lord continued to increase. I love this verse and prevail mightily. There's power in God's word. Not in anything Josh has to say, but in everything Jesus has to say, Amen. And so uh, the, the word of the Lord multiplies and God's people multiply as they're healthy. Now, uh, what, it, what needs to be said here though is that growth and multiplication isn't always like a hundred miles an hour foot on the gas accelerating the entire time. Uh, sometimes there's season, it's, it's, it's seasons of growth. If you remember, uh, a few weeks ago when we were talking about churches needing to be rooted in God's word, I, I threw up a, a picture of our logo on the screen. And I said that actually there's a lot of symbolism in our little tree. Did you know that? Like all the five leaves, they represent our five core values. 
uh, it's rooted in an outline of the open word of God that we wanna be rooted in God's word. Uh, Jesus, of course, uh, was said to have died on a tree, not said to have, but you know what I mean? They, they use that metaphor of a tree. He did die on a cross, was raised again. Don't misunderstand how I said that. And the tree itself is a metaphor that God uses to describe his people. See, it's used in different places in scripture to represent people, represent growth and represent transformation. In Jeremiah 17, he, he talks about uh, God, about being rooted uh, by the river with roots that go down deep that are nourished and bearing fruit even in the dry seasons. Paul and Jesus talk about our lives bearing spiritual fruit like that of a tree. And God's people collectively are referred to as a living organism, a, an olive tree where the Gentiles are grafted in. But here's the metaphor of this idea that I wanna talk a little bit about just briefly, is that a tree gives us a picture of slow, steady growth. And it goes through seasons, doesn't it? Some seasons, a tree is budding and is fruitful and there's all kinds of life that you see in it and around it and among it. And you just go, wow. And then there's some seasons where there's times for pruning because some of the growth goes a little bit out of control and, and sometimes it gets pruned down so far that it's like, is that really a tree anymore? And then it goes into this season oftentimes of dormancy where it, it might even look dead, but the reality is there's still life dormant within it. And there's coming a season where again, things will the evidence of that life will bear fruit and it'll come to life again in that certain sense. And, and the lifespan of a church can often be like that. And when we talk about the church multiplying, uh, sometimes we have to go through seasons of dormancy to store up for God to work in us so that we're gonna be ready for this time of fruitfulness. And sometimes there's pruning that's really hard and really painful, but it allows for the best things to grow and to mature. And uh, this happens really with any healthy church. There's times of pruning, of dormancy, of, of fruitfulness. But this image of a tree really shows us that multiplication is more than just like pedal to the metal, a thousand miles an hour, but it's, it's, it's the long game of building God's kingdom. Sometimes that speed and that increase is just so exciting and huge. And sometimes it's just, the slow, keep on keeping on, trust the Lord, hand to the plow, don't turn back, trust him. Amen? That's for a church, that's for us as individuals. But God's design is for us to be fruitful and multiply. Now, in talking about multiplication, I said sometimes, you know, there can be like um, kind of a negative stigma attached towards that, especially when you hear a pastor up here talking about, multiplying and more people and what's his agenda, right? Maybe some of you are even wondering that right now. Well, let me share with you God's agenda. God designed his family to be fruitful and multiply. And I wanna give you three reasons why. Number one, and we could really stop here because the others fall under this, but it's for his glory. God designed his people to be fruitful and to multiply for his glory. You know, in, in Habakkuk, the prophet says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 
Friends, the church is about God's glory and God's designed his family to be fruitful and multiply. And in God's economy, that multiplication is ultimately, I believe, like Habakkuk says here, the filling of the earth with the glory of the Lord. Let's back up again to where this all started in Genesis 1, this idea of multiplication. And, and God created everything in Genesis 1, and then you get to chapter or to verse 26, and we see the creation of mankind, and there's something unique about mankind and how God created us, male and female. He, he created us in his image. Do you know that of, of all God's creation, you and I are the crown jewels of his creation? that we have an inherent worth about us that's greater than anything else God created because we bear his image and we're to rule and reign and care for creation as his stewards. And, and God gets great glory in you and I. See, it, it says it here in chapter one, verse 26, let us make man in our image. And that means mankind after our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the heavens, over the livestock, all the earth, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We're unique. And then look at the mission. We already read this, but look at the mission again with me that God gives. God blessed them. He said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. See, filling the earth ultimately is the filling of the earth with the glory of our creator, that his image would be spread to the ends of the earth, that his worship would be spread to the ends of the earth. Now, Adam and Eve messed that up, but thankfully God's God's plans aren't thwarted and Jesus comes and restores us and that's gonna happen. If you compare uh, Genesis 1 to Revelation 21, 22, you see God's original plan of being fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, being totally fulfilled now in this city where there's great worship and great joy and great glory to the Lord. See, multiplication is about God's glory. His agenda is his glory. So what would bring him more glory? One of those things would be more followers of Jesus Christ, more people meeting Jesus and trusting him and living for him and knowing him. Think of it, the crown jewel of his creation and humanity meeting the crown jewel of all existence, Jesus Christ of God's glory. And then uh, the crown jewel of anything that's ever happened in time, Jesus' death, burial and resurrection and all of those things coming together to give God great glory as people trust Jesus. Multiplication is about God's glory, about God being magnified. And in Revelation 19, there's a great multitude and they're crying out, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. You know, not just more Jesus followers, but more churches are needed to bring God glory. How many, how will more people meet Jesus? Well, in part by planting more churches, by starting more services, more churches for more people to meet Jesus. Did you know the earth's population is growing by 82 million people right now every year? That's over 6 million people a month. That's like 234,000 people a day. By the time that our service is concluded, there'll be a, approximately another 10,000 people net gain in this world on this earth. So when you consider that, 
and you consider the need for the gospel, the need for people to know Jesus, guess what's needed? More churches. More churches are needed. Friends, that's like six Milfords every hour. We need more churches for more people. Now, um, it, so it, sometimes it, it saddens me a little bit when people say, oh, we don't need more churches. No, we totally do. Because more people meet, need to meet Jesus. More people, uh, God needs to receive more glory for his salvation. See, part of adding more churches is, is adding those more services. And did you know, uh, let's just bring this home a little bit. In the last two years, Let's get excited about what God's doing here for a second. Can we do that? In the last two years, uh, comparing some numbers, like from September 1 to November 1, uh, in 2017 to 2018, we grew by about 14%. 2018 to this year, we've grown by about 11%. Over a two-year period, it's close to 27% growth. Isn't that cool? Listen, that has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with any of us. It has everything to do with Jesus getting glory and more people meeting Jesus, worshiping Jesus, bringing honor and fame to his name, amen? Now, I love you. You know that, right? Let me just preface what I'm about to say. I love you, right? You know that? Okay. And I know... You've seen the growth that we've experienced over the last few years. And if you walked under our, our kids' wing, you'll see it there too. Um, and I also know that some of you are scared to death about the possibility of adding more services. You, you just got a little twitchy, I saw it. You're like, oh, I don't know how that's gonna go. Like uh, things are gonna change, it's gonna be different. Well, do we want more people to meet Jesus? Do we want more worship? of our savior in our community, then something has to happen because we're running out of space here. We either need to plant more churches, which I'm all in favor of, that'd be awesome. Or we need to, maybe the simple fix right now is add more services and so that more people can come through the door and more people can meet Jesus. And, and it doesn't just happen here, it's us going out too, right? But collectively we need that. You need to be connected in community and people need Jesus and they need community in a local church. So all that to say, um, it's not if we need to go to two services, it's when are we going to? I love you. I know that freaks you out, some of you, but listen, we're gonna have to. And I don't know exactly when that'll be, but I do believe that's coming and I believe it's probably coming somewhat soon. But hear me, it's gonna be different. It's gonna be okay, but we also say no sacred cows, right? We're not holding on to our preferences because we wanna see people meet Jesus Christ. We wanna see him receive great glory. And uh, one of the things Jesus says in the beginning of, his, uh, of, of the, the, the birth of the church, just before this, one of the things, here's what he says. He says this in Matthew chapter nine, what's gonna be needed for the kingdom to advance? He says, Jesus, Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease, every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, see if you, you know these words, I believe, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Again, let's just bring it back here. If, if we're gonna take that step, guess what we need? We need more leaders. We need more workers. We need uh, more, more partners in our nursery, in our kids' ministry, leading worship, teaching, leading small groups, working in the AV booth back here, greeting people when they come through the door. Listen, this is a family. And what do you do in a family? You help, you serve. I mean, imagine, we talk about this sometimes in our discovery class, the difference between a business and a family, right? You go to a restaurant, you get a meal, and you can sit there and you can be like, um, the mashed potatoes, a little too salty today. Can you take these back, please? Try again. You can do that at a restaurant, right? Hopefully you don't do it quite like that. <laughs> but you can do that. Now, try that at Thanksgiving in a couple weeks. <laughs> what's gonna happen? You're like, ah, a little too salty. I could use some more cranberry sauce. What do you, what's gonna happen? What's your mom gonna say to you? It's in the kitchen. Get up. <laughs> Go get it. You know, I mean, that's the difference between a family... In a business, we're family. So friends, we, we need you to step up. We need you to serve. We need you to get involved. And uh, you can be thinking about that and praying about it, but here's, here's the deal. Maybe you're not sure. That's okay. Here's what Jesus tells us to do. What's he say to do? Let's look at his words again. He's the senior pastor. Let's look at his leading. He said to his disciples and he says to us, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, what should we do? Pray earnestly. So here's, all, here's my only ask of you today. Will you pray? Will you pray about how you might serve? Will you pray that God would raise up more workers? Would you pray that Jesus would receive more glory, that more people would meet him through the ministry of our church, whether that's our church here or uh, efforts of our church to see churches multiplied in other places? Will you do that? Can you do that? Let's pray together earnestly like Jesus commands. See, because multiplication is about God's glory. It's all about Jesus. And uh, you have some passages there that depict uh, Jesus' glory. I'm not gonna take the time to read through them all, but I would encourage you to look them up. Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah gets a vision of Jesus and his glory on the throne. And uh, same in Isaiah 11, 9 and 10. And then in Philippians 2, uh, Paul writes that God has highly exalted Jesus. It's all about him. That at his name, every knee will bow. This is about Jesus and his glory. Not about us. But part of him receiving glory, there's two other whys for multiplication. The first one is for God's glory. The second is for others' good. Remember that metaphor, that parable Jesus told of the mustard seed that grew into the tree? And do you remember the final verse of it? What, what happened? What, what, what did that tree do? It provided good for all those around it. The birds came to nest in its branches. It provided good in its community. See, one of the many times that God mentions multiplication in scripture uh, I'll give you another example. It's to this guy named Abram. His name means exalted father, which is really f kind of ironic because he has no kids and he's 70 years old. His wife is barren. 
And God shows up to Abram and he makes a promise to him. He says in Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, from your kindred, your father's house to the land that I will show you. At 70 years old, Abram packs up, moves out of town, follows the Lord. And look at this promise. I will make of you a great nation. We've talked about this already. I will bless you, make your name great. Notice it's all about God, his glory. I will, I will, I will do this. But why else? Look at the end of verse two. So that you, Abram, will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God's gonna multiply Abram, Abram's descendants. He's gonna change his name to Abraham and bless him in order to bless the world. Now it's, it's ultimately for God's glory that he's doing this, but it's secondarily for the good of all people. Like through Abraham, everybody's gonna be blessed. He blesses us to be a blessing. Well, that hasn't changed. Like he still calls us to plant churches, to multiply, to see people meet Jesus for their good. Even if they never trust Jesus, we're sent to love people. That's how we say it, right? Even the people who are the hardest to love, we're sent to love them. And then when we get opportunity, invite them to follow Jesus with us. And if they don't, they don't, but we still love them. We still bring good to them because it brings glory to Jesus. Well, all of this then ultimately results in our joy. See, God designed his family to be fruitful and multiply for his glory, others good, and our joy. This is for our joy. Um, Listen, when, when Jesus gets a hold of your heart, and you start getting excited about serving him and being on his agenda and living the way he's designed you and and introducing other people to Jesus and representing him well. Listen, I'm telling you, there is no greater joy because you're living out who he created you to be. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be a pastor and be up here preaching to live that out. No, God created you uniquely. He, He designed good things for you to do well in advance. He has dreams for your life and dreams for you. And as you live those things out, there is no greater joy than when you're living those things out according to his plan and his will for Jesus' glory, others' good. It's your joy. Do you get that? It's your joy. In fact, uh, Acts 9, 31, we'll close with just a couple more passages from Acts. The church throughout all Judea, Galilee, Samaria had peace, was being built up. We talked about this already and walking in the fear of the Lord. And then it says this, in the, and in the comfort, your translation might say the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Well, as the Holy Spirit's working over and over in Acts, you see the joy of God's people as he's at work. In Acts 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 8, there was much joy in that city. Even when things didn't go as planned, when they faced opposition, like in Acts 13, uh, they, they, they faced persecution, Paul and Barnabas, and they drove them out of their district. But, the, but Paul and Barnabas shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium and the disciples were filled with joy because of the Holy Spirit. Listen, when, when you get on God's agenda for your life, when you trust Jesus, surrender all and, and serve him, whatever your hand finds to do to the glory of Jesus Christ, there is no 
greater joy. Some of you have been miserable for a long time. You know why? Because you're ignoring Jesus' call on your life. Man, that, that longing in your spirit is ultimately a longing for him, for his work, for his purpose, for his joy. Trust him, turn to him. That joy's for you. Jesus said, I've come to give you life that you might have it abundantly. Not to give you a bunch of rules to make your life miserable. No, that's religion. No, to give you life and give it to you abundantly. So friends, as, as we close, we're gonna sing again. And um, we're gonna sing with joy. See, God's designed his family to be fruitful, multiply for his glory, others good and our joy. And we read this earlier from Psalm 107 when we were singing. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Like what's the application this week? One, pray. Two, if you haven't trusted Jesus, trust him. Like what's the holdup? And three, if you have, live it out. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There's no greater joy. Let me pray. Then we're gonna sing. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thanks again for your grace. Um, Lord, I, I pray for each of us that um, we would remember ultimately our lives, our salvation, our church is not about us, but Jesus, it's all about you. It, it's not about our name being made great, but Jesus, it's about you receiving great glory for who you are, for what you've done. And Lord, I pray too for our church that as that happens, as we glorify you in our, in our worship, in the ways we live our lives, uh, that others would receive great good from that. And that I'm confident and I know I've experienced it that as we do those things, you give us great joy. So I pray for that blessing over everyone here today. I pray for those two, Jesus, who've never trusted you that today might be the day they turn in faith to you. Listen, if that's you, uh, you don't become a Christian by just being here or by coming to church. It's by repenting of your sin. That just means to turn, to recognize I'm sinful. I need a savior and to turn to Jesus to save you. And God's word is clear that if you do that by faith, you believe in your heart uh, and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead. It says you will be saved. It has nothing to do with how good you are or can be or could be, but everything to do with how good Jesus is. Trust him. Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.